Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 7, Demos and the Children. June 17, 1989. The long walk from Dion to the quarry was uncomfortable. The three Essence Guardsmen tried not to eye the police officers that led them down the gravel path towards the locked gate and the shuttered, long-abandoned building that made up the few landmarks, denoting that they were approaching their destination. The three had come on a very specific assignment. As a group, the Essence Guard were made to watch over the mysterious substance they were named after but they also took it seriously if anyone abused the use of the viridescent stones. That exact purpose had brought Matteo and his associates across great distances and time to confront the man who had claimed this land as his own. Matteo stroked the curled end of his gray mustache. This was unlike any mission he had ever been on or planned. Never before had they been summoned by an unknown before. Their research into the man who had contacted them had been fairly fruitless. The letter addressed to them had been signed Demos Callus. He spoke of things that few, if any, outside the guard were aware of. The letter demanded attention simply by the things that were spoken of. The gate opened and the officer who had met them when they arrived pointed them towards the quarry. The portly gentleman was a man of few words. English obviously wasn't his first language, but... For a high-ranking officer, he had little to say. This surprised the Spanish guardsmen. Local authorities almost always used what little power they had, lording it over him and his men until such time as they realized their power was nothing compared to what he held. No handcuffs held them when they were on duty, and no word spoken by local constabulary ever caused them to quake in fear. It was almost as if this man was aware of how dangerous they were. It made sense. He and his fellow officers had been waiting for them when they arrived, not at all surprised when three foreigners showed up to the small town out of the blue with no vehicle to have brought them there. When Matteo and his men began to make their way down the long, winding path, they immediately noticed a gathering of children surrounding a man that stood at the center of the quarry's stone floor. It was also noticed that the policemen began to slow down some, allowing the guardsmen much more room than they had been allowed on their travels through and beyond the small town. When they reached the bottom, the officers stopped and held their ground at the base of the pathway. The gathering of children stepped aside, and the man in the center stepped forward and began to approach the guardsmen. He stood tall and walked with purpose. His clothes did not seem to fit the man. He was strong, slim, and confident. While his clothes were shabby dress pants and a button-up shirt, that looked like it had seen better days. He wore a monocle made of green glass. As he neared the men, they could see that he was intermittently blinking his left eye, the eye without the monocle. It would close for several seconds and then open once more. Demos offered his hand for a shake. Mateo hesitated a moment, then gripped it and offered a firm shake. Pleased to meet you, sir. I am Demos, and who might you be? The man asked pleasantly. You can call me Mateo, the older man responded, unsure exactly what was happening here. Every move he made was deliberate, 
as was every word he said or didn't say. He couldn't afford to give anything away to someone who already knew too much about the existence of him and the Essence Guard. You responded swifter than I expected to my message. Please, I must know. What was it about it that brought you with such haste? Demos seemed to be enjoying the moment smugly. He watched the reactions of the men closely. To his disappointment, they gave him very little to work with. The leader of the three shook his head. Your message made it more than apparent that you know the power with which we wield. We arrived soon after you sent the message, but we took our time deciding how to best handle your missive. The partially bespectacled man smiled slyly. I admire how closely you guard your secrets. Even here, where everyone is aware of the stones and what they can do, you dare not reveal it. No wonder you are all so difficult to track down. Mateo cleared his throat in annoyance. <coughs> Your admiration does little for me, nor is it worth the trip we've taken. You mentioned that you were seeking the children of Adaryelum. Few know that name, and even fewer would know about the council or where to find them. So I ask you, why did you seek us out? And what is it you think we can do for you? We have little interest in adding to your collection. He swung his arm out to indicate the children standing behind Demos. Demos, clearly considerably younger than Mateo, the former being in his late 20s or early 30s, and the latter well into his 60s, lively hopped forward with glee towards the three guardsmen. The two men that had accompanied Mateo stepped in front of the elder guardsmen protectively. Demos stopped and chuckled. I knew that was going to happen, and yet I'm still surprised. I wish you no harm, and promise that you will all leave here alive. But please understand, this will not be a victorious outing for the three of you. The three men remained silent. Mateo had nothing else to add to the conversation at the moment. Clearly, the ball was in Demos's court. They simply had to wait for him to serve it. Fair enough, though I have to tell you, most of these children were born and raised in this beautiful town. I'm afraid that this is not Neverland. The children that come under my protection do grow up. In fact, they have enjoyable lives outside of the temporal machinations of you and your people. I care very little for the past or the future. All I want is for those children to have a home, here, where I know that they are safe and are not used for any ill purposes. Demos's formerly jovial attitude was giving way to a stern demeanor. The elder guardsman regarded the man and his youthful entourage for a long moment. We know very little about you, save for you have a horde of children at your disposal, and now we are aware that you seek the children of Adaryelon. I can tell you that with that small amount of information, that it is unlikely you will find us delivering any of them to you. And of course, your motives, since we are completely unaware of them, are absolutely suspect. The fact that you tracked us down, though, is worrisome, and at this moment is what I'm most interested in. The smile returned to the younger man's face as his features lit up. Oh, oh, I suppose that must have surprised you. I have access to the essence like the rest of you, and have tested it and experimented upon it. I've worked hard to learn of you people and of your counsel. You call yourselves saviors, but I can count many who were not saved by you. And in fact, I would say that in the act of providing assistance, you changed things. What happened was as natural as anything else. So who are you to control such power and circumstances? Mateo remained uncomfortably silent. 
The answer to that matters little to me. I couldn't fully believe you, even if you did offer up the truth, Demos continued. How I found you, though, was a little more simple than you might imagine. You see, the essence can take us to places without us having to be specific. I didn't need to know where or when you were, merely who some of you were. After that arduous research, I sent the message tied to a shard of the essence rock and sent it through time and space to seek you out. And now, here you are. He waved his hands in the air in mock joy. If you won't be delivering the children to me, you must know that I will be giving them a proper home if and when I find them to need it. I suggest that you stay out of my way while I do so. Mateo's eyes narrowed. I don't believe that I can reassure you that we have the children's best interests at heart. Your paranoia is far too deep-seated to take me at my word. In the meantime, though, what do we have to fear from you? You can find us and we can find you. We, however, have trained men and women who know how to deal with such instances. And you have, he looked around and scoffed, a ragtag group made up of children, civilians, and a small-town Greek police force? So what is stopping us from continuing on as we have already done for quite some time now? Demos grinned. Good question. He looked up to the police officers. Show them, my friends. The officers unholstered their guns and began to draw them on the guardsmen. Mateo stiffened while the other two men each grabbed something from their pockets and grasped their leader's shoulder. They stood incredibly still as their brows furrowed and worry crossed over their features. The children parted once more. This time, four of the taller children, likely preteens themselves, carried a large chest and set it down next to Demos. The chest was old, wooden, and looked like something that had survived a pirate's assault. The brazen young man opened the chest so the three essence guards could see what it contained. Inside was a large nugget the size of a human head. It looked like amber, though it was completely opaque. His smile had dimmed some. You had thought yourselves in trouble and were going to make an escape, no? And yet, when you made your attempt, nothing happened. He pointed to the rock, and his grin widened once more. This substance is the bane of your essence. It keeps it from working, among other things. That makes it impossible for you or your men to simply appear here. You see, this quarry is filled with this rock. We are completely immune to whatever you can do. And if you do arrive unwanted, he placed a hand upon the rock and closed his eyes. The two men protecting Mateo lurched forward with pained expressions. Their hands that had grasped the items from their pockets extended as far out as they could. Both cried out in pain, and one after the other, they opened their hands, and a pair of jade coins flew through the air and popped into the chest. Demos looked down in wonder and picked one up. Ah, more treasure. He flipped the coin in his palm and looked down. One side was a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and the other, the bust of a proud rooster. He stared at the coin for a few seconds before slipping it into his pocket. I assume that this was your way home. Consider this a lesson. I and my people are not to be trifled with. Leave with your lives and stay out of my way. The children of Adaryelon deserve to be protected, and I am the one who shall do so. Go. Mateo turned around and began the long, slow walk away from the quarry and Dion. His companions were obviously against it and had hoped to recover their coins, but he allowed no argument. Demos watched with a smug grin.
Things had gone exactly as he had known they would. June 17th, 2012. Celeste regarded Demos with fear and worry. If this was a game, their cards were not only face up, but they were in Demos's possession. Andres stood beside her, jaw tightened and fists clenched. He began to take a step forward, but their host raised the staff dramatically, stopping Andres in his tracks. Do not touch the children, even if it is just to push them aside. That will not end well for either of you. Andres's jaw slackened some, and he relaxed. Demos dropped his hand and nodded agreeably. Excellent. I told you already, nothing remains secret from me, especially when you stand before me. Now, please, find yourselves a seat. I'm not certain what brought you here, but that is a story I would be interested in hearing. Celeste did as she was told and took a seat at the closest table. Andres followed suit, and soon Demos was sitting opposite the pair. With a wave, the children turned and left the room, going back to their games and studies. You were going to regale me with a tale, the elder man asked, interest piqued. Celeste began to open her mouth, but Andres gripped her hand and shot her a look that said he would take the lead. She nodded softly as he turned to Demos. It seems that we're all looking for the same man. Island Suarez. Our research took us to your temple in Formosa, where we learned where we could find you, and here we are. Demos narrowed his eyes, the left continuing to blink from time to time, closing for several seconds and then opening once more. And why would you seek such a man? He stared down at the staff that now lay on his lap. And how did you come across such an interesting artifact? Obviously, you know about the essence. Andres asked, which forced a smirk and a raised eyebrow from their host. Yes, of course. Anyways, he has answers that we seek. Her grandfather, the man who crafted the walking stick, died a number of years ago, and his death has remained a mystery all these years. We were hunting for clues and anyone who might be able to tell us Island's whereabouts. Celeste remained silent. She had never been one for a subterfuge herself, so it was best that Andres had taken over. She didn't love the lies, but they were keeping the two of them alive, and might just get her family's heirloom back, so she kept quiet. Andres was met with a long, low sigh from Demos. I see. The man you speak of is a member of something known as the Essence Council. It's a group of men and women who supposedly seek to keep the timeline intact and protect the Essence from the machinations of others. My thought has always been, who asked them? Who tasked them with such a crusade? I understand what power can do to a person. So when there is a group of people doing their damnedest to keep that power from others and consolidate it for themselves, well, now that is something I have a problem with. It wouldn't be a fight I was interested in, though, if it weren't for the fact that they had set their sights on people who matter dearly to me. Have you ever heard tell of a place called Adarhelon? Celeste had never heard such a name in all her life. It didn't even sound remotely familiar. Andres looked back to her and she immediately shook her head in complete confusion. He turned back to Demos. We have not. Demos regarded the two shrewdly for many uncomfortably silent seconds before continuing. Well, the less you know about that, the safer you'll be, I assure you. Well, at this moment, the little information I do have would be of little help to you. Though it sounds like my friends in Argentina have come across something. 
I had planned on visiting them soon anyways. What is next for the two of you? Celeste shrugged, but Andres gave her no regard. Well, whatever you learn would be helpful to us as well. Could we accompany you back there? Perhaps my friend could get her staff back? Its importance is more than just in its power. It's a family heirloom. Demos stood up, grabbed a piece of paper and a pencil, and scrawled out a note and folded it up. He motioned for the two to follow him down a tunnel. One cannot depart from here. This quarry has magical properties, which makes the essence useless for travel purposes. He led the two through the meandering, interconnecting tunnels and outside once more. Along the way, he handed the note he had written to one of the children, and the three continued on. The closest thing to any sort of discussion that occurred along the way were several glances between Celeste and Andres. With no better ideas coming to either of them, all they could do was follow the strange, enigmatic figure and hope that answers came their way. He took them out into the open air and through the small town adjacent to the mines he called home. The citizens stopped them now and then to thank Demos and heap blessings upon him for all they had brought him. They could make out very little of what was being said, but from the little Celeste could pick up, it would seem that he had used whatever strange powers he had to benefit the people of the town. Despite raising their children away from them, they seemed more than happy with the trade. She tried to find someone along the way who appeared frightened in some way or unhappy with how things were, but she found no such evidence. As they moved on into the beautiful Greek countryside, Celeste momentarily forgot the precarious position they were in. She was seeing the world, new cultures, and traveling through time and space. There was something romantic about it all. Despite the fact that she had put herself in more life-or-death situations in the last 24 hours than she had probably witnessed in her entire life. Demos stopped and turned to his traveling companions. There is something both of you need to understand about the quest you've embarked upon. You see, as much as you hope to find information, it has taken a man like me most of my life to learn what I have. The fates do not smile on the likelihood of you accomplishing your goal. I have spent my life protecting the weak and those who need it, so please understand that my leaving you is more of that protection. He looked as though he would turn, and then stopped. His left eye closed for a moment, and Andres began to approach him. No, Demos, you can't leave us here. This is far too important. Demos opened his eye once more, and spoke in a language Celeste had never heard before. Andres stiffened in front of her. She couldn't see his face, but she could feel his frustration with the situation. Andres leapt forward towards Demos, who easily dodged him as though he was aware of exactly what the younger man would do. Demos held the staff aloft, and with a whip of wind, was gone a moment later, leaving Andres and Celeste alone, in a field, somewhere in Greece, with no way home. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.